Strachan and Bell together. There's Cooper breaking through. A chance now. This will be the fourth ball for Aberdeen. And Cooper puts it in wide. Close by Bishop. Well, suddenly it's become a rout. Of course, when things are going wrong against you, you don't get the breaks of the ball. Cooper in with Stewart. He didn't really know where the ball was, but he got the break. And as you say, it's a schoolboy's dream being able to take your time. Knowing that really, all you've got to do is crack it into the back of the net. Hello and welcome to the Here We Go podcast. After weeks of inactivity, we're back. Um, Weeks of inactivity is certainly a phrase you could apply to more than just us over the past month or so. Uh, Given that Aberdeen haven't troubled the points board since we were last with you, three successive defeats, what were worrying times a month ago, we're now on the cusp of, well, crisis is too strong a word, Martin, after just seven league games, clearly. But it's uh, not been positive. It hasn't been, no. We should be probably thanking the lads at Celtic Park. They've probably spared us a few cracked crests on the back of some of the newspapers and um, Radio Scotland. Radio Scotland haven't gone all in with the Donson crisis angle just quite yet. No, they've been hinting at it and they've had a wee conversation here and there, but it's not gone. they've not gone in knee-high. Uh, yeah, it's not, been, it's not been very good um, since we last... Last convened for one of these, you know, it it started off quite depressing and it just kind of, you know, it just took took a a sharper turn down. If the defeat at Motherwell could be said to be slightly unlucky, I don't believe it was. I think we had a lot of the ball, a lot of possession, didn't really create that many glaring opportunities. I think it was a Marley Watkins header, which he should have scored. Other than that, Motherwell were just much more clinical and much more decisive in how they used the football. You could maybe suggest that that was a little bit unfortunate, but... The St Johnston defeat, there was nothing there whatsoever. And St Mirren was, um, well, it was a capitulation. It was going relatively well at half-time, 2-1 up. But even before the sending off, I don't think we were dealing too well with the way St Mirren had started that second half anyway. They had already been creating chances before before the Teddy Jenks sending off. We, we'll talk a bit more about that a little bit later and the implications of that. I thought what we'd do tonight, given we've been away for it for a few weeks, was maybe just um, take a tour around the team. Talk about what's working, what's not working. Probably be a bit more the latter than the former. And then, obviously, talk about the manager as well. So I th- we're going to start at the back, Martin. That's the obvious place to start, and it's a place where there's going to be a lot of focus um, on the goalkeeper. The goals on Sunday, looking at them one by one, he's going to take a... Fair share of his blame for the first goal. It's a it's a poor clearance, but then again, it still lands thirty five yards out. It it's not as if it's right at the striker's feet in front of goal. What happens after that isn't great either, because David Bates could have stepped out, either played the lad offside, or at least meant that he didn't have quite a, an obvious pass putting him straight into the box with a, with a view of goal. He didn't do that for whatever reason. He's he's like five ten yards behind the other members of the back four. And and they score from that, obviously. 
And then the third goal, uh, that's the one that's going to be the real focus on and certainly the one that Stephen Glass was asked about after the game. I don't know because um, it comes out, Johnny Hayes makes a disastrous attempt at a clearance and that's almost as galling as anything else. Uh, he has time to get the ball away, he mishits it, it falls straight to a St Mirren player. Curtis Main has wrestled David Bates to the ground. David Bates is getting up, playing Curtis Main onside. The ball comes in. I mean, Lewis is maybe slightly slow to react, but I think that's probably the extent of it. He comes out, he's late getting to the ball. Maybe he would never have got there anyway, even if he had been out there instantly. Looking at his positioning, it's not as if it's too far back or even too far forward or whatever. But he comes out and Main misses it. And he misses it as well. He's played for Maine getting a touch. Lewis misses it and it sneaks into the corner. We see those goals happen a lot, normally because of free kicks curling in from the outside. Goalkeepers playing, waiting, expecting a touch, not wanting to commit in case there's a touch. We just saw essentially that same thing play out um, in the middle of the pitch there for, for that third goal. It looks horrendous, but I, I honestly believe it looks worse than the actual it played out. My issue with Joe Lewis is that, yeah, fine, you can drop him, but I'm not convinced by the backup. I'm not convinced by the number two. Um, Gary Wood's obviously got four games last season, towards the end of last season, and he looked deeply unconvincing in those four games. You know, at the stage that Thomas Cherney got injured last season and it was quite close to the end of the transfer window, you could understand we just looking for a short-term backup in the mould of a Gary Wood. You could get that. When it comes to selecting a number two goalkeeper for this summer, for this season as a whole, and maybe the season beyond, because he's been given a two-year deal, I was pretty surprised to find that the best possible option for that was apparently already in Cormac Park. To start with the Gary Wood's point there, I mean, I'm in full agreement with you. Um, you know, I can understand that, the mistakes have crept. Well, the mistakes have been crept, and they've been, they've been semi regular now with from Joe Lewis. Um, and I understand that people are looking for be what maybe what would be dropped. Maybe think that a, a spell out of the team would benefit him, and you know what it might, it it genuinely might. But I don't think that putting Woods in. I don't think Woods is a is a better keeper. Um, I think that Joe Lewis does almost everything else better. Um, the only thing that we saw that you know, um, Woods might be slightly better at is this. You know, the the playing out from the back. You know, the kind of dis- his distributing distribution is maybe slightly better. But I don't think he's you no. Know, he's he's better on crosses. I don't think he's better shot stopper. From what we've seen again, we've only seen four games. You know, it's hard to get. It's hard to really get a gauge on this guy when he's came in, um, for such a for such a short spell. The drop off in performance from Joe Lewis has been has been quite harrowing. Really, we've read a lot of stuff over the past 24 hours since the final whistle where people now seem to think that well this is why you know he came to Aberdeen you know because you know no no teams were willing to take a chance on him you know he had this in his game where perhaps he what you know his once his confidence takes a takes a hit that the performances will take a dip now there might be some merit in that but what we're seeing particularly recently um, I know there was a few a few errors no the back end of last season as well what we're seeing now is it's it's really worrying because this was a guy who was rock solid and we could rely on. When we spoke about our top Dons teams, you know, top Dons players of in history and things like that, we were putting Joe Lewis in or one of the top five goalkeepers we've ever had. 
it's really worrying to see this this drop off from him. I mean, Sunday, I'm not inclined to put too much blame on him for the first the first one. I mean, it was yeah, it was a it was a poor clearance, but as you say, it's thirty five yards out. There's no, there's more than him. There's other guys that could be doing their jobs a bit better there. Um, defensively, you can make excuses, and we'll come on to the defense in a minute. But you defensively, you can maybe make excuses that, you know, they haven't been drilled and playing together and getting quickly into their position and in their shape. They should be, but they didn't. Um, the second goal. I think that a Joe Lewis from two years ago, two and a half years ago, is coming and he's claiming that ball. He's punching that, and it's ending up, you know, somewhere near the halfway line. Uh, but he doesn't have the confidence, so he thinks, as you say, he thinks he's going to go, he's gambling on main getting a touch and he's going to make a save. Whereas if he he should just be coming out and he should you know, you just want him to be claiming it. I'm not a goalkeeping expert. I've never played any level of football in goals, so I don't know. Maybe you shouldn't be coming to claim it if the guys that guys coming in that like that you don't want to foul them. I get, but keepers get a lot of goalkeepers get a lot of protection. Joe Lewis. If he comes out and he punches that ball uh, and gets fouled, he's getting the decision. He looks his confidence looks shot. And I don't I wouldn't like to see him dropped at the moment because I still think he's the best goalkeeper in the building. Come January, if they want to look at somebody, and it wouldn't surprise me if in January there's 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 moves made to 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 bring in a goalkeeper either in January or sign another one on a pre contract who's going to be a stronger backup because but, I mean, I think that's what we need anyway. No, I don't think Woods is anywhere near good enough. Thomas Cherney was an excellent backup. You know, the years of experience he had as well. Uh, from where we've been, where where we've been rock solid since Lewis came in the building, these mistakes are sadly becoming all too regular. A phrase we've used many times on here, but he's got credit in the bank, and he's got a lot of credit in the bank with me. Um, for for all that counts and matters. The manager clearly can see how good this guy is and and wants to stick with him. And that's what you think will happen come Sunday. I think you. I think it'll still be Joe Lewis on Sunday. Yeah, you know, unless things go drastically badly over the next, you know, three, four, five games. However, I can't see. I can't see him dropping him. I mean, no. Again, this is the thing where we've seen we've seen mistakes being a little more regular. Um, if the if the mistakes, you know, continue in the way they've gone, then perhaps it changes, but. You have you have to back him because he's the he's the best goalkeeper we have, uh, and dropping him for, you know, even though it's a Celtic team that are struggling, even though we've got no, we've we've got Celtic team is struggling, we've got no Hearts are doing well, Hibs are doing well, Rangers are doing well, we've got these games coming up, you don't go into these games with a with an inferior keeper, I would rather have a a very a very good goalkeeper which Lewis is, who's maybe struggling for form than putting someone like Woods in there who I don't think is really is good enough to be a number one at Aberdeen. That's the goalkeeping situation. That's had a lot of focus over the past 24 hours. The fullbacks are, are probably a bright spot. Calvin Ramsey in particular, he keeps adding strings to his bow. The delivery from the set pieces for the goals on Sunday are something that's going to get a lot of focus. But I, I thought what was lovely was that just that little turn and just that little drag back that uh, actually won the foul for the opening goal on Sunday. And it's not something we're seeing enough of, quite frankly. We're not seeing enough of our players being able to to win those one-on-one situations and create space and and do something which will which will get them past the opponent. So it was lovely to see to see that from Calvin. We saw early in the season where he got past Mark Reynolds to to set up the goal against Dundee United as well. On the other side, Jack McKenzie has um, a lot of people are very happy with Jack McKenzie's performance, as I think he's been. Okay, I don't think he's been anything 
much more than that, to be honest, Martin. But what's very, very clear from a slightly negative perspective is that teams are continuing to exploit us down the flanks. And that's no slight necessarily on the two incumbents of those positions, but it's a very obvious tactical drawback which we've yet to resolve. It's a very easy thing to for them to probably identify that you've got a what an eighteen year old and a twenty one year old. Um both of them who've probably played between them have played maybe what twenty games um combined. So I think it's a it's a very easy thing to for them to try and exploit these guys. I think I think it's fair to say he's been he's been okay. Of course, when you've got Ramsey, who's just been a complete standout on the other on the other flank, it's going to be difficult to stand out because Ramsey is he's a once in a generation type talent. Whereas Jack McKenzie's came in, he's been solid, he's he's done okay, uh, but you no know, teams are trying to exploit him. When we've been when we've had problems with the centre halves, I think when you've got two young younger fullbacks in there, that probably doesn't do them any favours. I think Ramsey is, is better going forward as well, as we've seen, like you say, you mentioned that beautiful bit of skill to get past Mark Reynolds. Mackenzie, I think, is you know is not the is not anywhere near the attacking force that Ramsey is. We're creaking in centre-half. Personally, I, it kind of terrifies me because I worry that, you know, we're going to just run these guys into the ground um, just trying to get performances out of them. Uh, when defensively, you know, we're kind of, you know, we've been really all over the place. I mean, you know, when we did the season, kind of, well, the season preview, or we were talking over, going over the squad and the new arrivals, I am absolutely, unbelievably delighted how wrong I was thinking that, you know, Ramsey was Ramsey and Jack Gurr were going to be sort of 50-50 in that right-back position. There was me, you know, thinking that Gurr's been brought in one-year deal just as somebody to keep Ramsey honest and keep you know, keep pushing him so he keep, his performances don't drop. And I am delighted how wrong I was. Obviously, he's been, he's been the bright spark this season. He really has. Yeah, but he's also made himself undroppable. It's been an easy choice for the manager to make. And on the left-hand side, it's also been an easy choice because there's not, frankly, that many other alternatives. Um, <laughs> unless you're going to continue utilising Dean Campbell out left. You talk about the young fullbacks. It, it is an entirely new back four post Andy Constantine's injury, which has had to be bedded in uh, because of a turnover of centre-halves, because of the because of the injury issues. Obviously, all of that contributes to our defensive frailties. One clean sheet this season, one clean sheet in 20 games under Stephen Glass, which is uh, not good. Centre-backs, David Begg, former BBC Radio Scotland commentator, uh, uh, on Sunday was like, you know, we are really missing Andy Considine. And I think that is overlooked. Uh, I think just having that experience, that know-how, just trying to bed in a completely new back four at this point is um, is proving much harder than it, uh, than frankly it should be. Um, but I suppose a completely new back four with a new manager, with a new playing style, all of these things contribute to the, just the frailty that we're exhibiting. So what about the centre-backs, the ones that are still fit and active in the building? Talk first of all about the one who we maybe expected at the outset of the season to be a regular starter, but has been anything but Declan Gallagher. If we know where the Scotland Scotland version of Declan Gallagher is hiding, um, if, you know, if Stephen Glass could go pick him up, um, that would be great. You know, when he's played for Scotland, he's looked solid. Um, he's looked capable. His, his distribution's been good. But every almost every time we've seen him 
playing for Aberdeen, he just looks like he looks like a competition winner. To be totally honest, as you as you mentioned, it's a whole new back four. Is I mean, is is this is he maybe a guy who struggles to 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 settle at that? Does he need does he need continuity? Um, no, obviously we can't answer that, but it's been it's been a real worry because you know when you when the signing of him was announced, um, you're bringing in a Scotland international, you know, well known. Um, you know, expected it. We expect him to come in here and you know be a senior player for us. You know, it's just, this isn't some sort of, you know, twenty year old who's just broken onto the scene. This is a you no. Know, he's been there. Um, he's played a lot of games, and he came in just. I think every time he's played, he's looked just, just like he's like he's shell shocked in in most games and. You know, just panicking. Um, I think of the St Johnston game. There's a few times where the the ball came to him. And he just these wild sclaffs at the ball. Doesn't look like he's remotely composed. Does this come from with the need to try and bed in and work out who is who's going to be his first choice back four? It looks at the moment like it's going to be Bates and McCrory, which you know still doesn't fill me with a lot of confidence because McCrory isn't really a centre half. Bates is just in the door. Looks looks decent but you know now they're going to have to now work um, on getting those two guys in the fullbacks you know playing as a unit there's a lot of lot of work's going to have to be done I don't know if he would change it want to change it and have them there as a three and that maybe takes a bit of the, bit of the pr- defensive pressure off your off your wing backs um, off, of, off of McKenzie and uh, Calvin Ramsey but you know, the way that you know, Gallagher particularly has been playing I don't really know if I don't really know if I'd want want to have him starting at the moment, um, because he just doesn't look like he's at up to, at the races at the moment. Yeah, I mean, you consider Gallic is what twenty nine thirty, and we were yeah. missing that experience and and leadership, I guess, in the back four of Andy Considine. It it, it should have been ready made for him to come in and be a part of that defence and be the leader within that defence and and try and coax these younger players, coax these slightly less experienced in the position players like Ross McCrory through these games. Uh, David Bates, I thought, was okay against St Johnston. He, he was a lot more progressive on the ball than I expected. He His distribution was quite good. But then, yeah, on, on Sunday, I, I think you look at him and he's got a big part to play and, and certainly that first goal, possibly even the second goal. I mean, the second goal is one where Ryan Hedges just lets the runner run off him. Uh, it doesn't even bother to react. He also, Hedges does the pointy thing so that somebody else should be running after him. But he's not going to be arsed doing it. Somebody else should do it. Bates then, I, I think he just throws himself and, and just sells himself just a little bit too easily for the second. But very early days on him, obviously. Gallic is the odd one for me. Uh, I, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't expecting a superstar. You talk about the Scotland Declan Gallagher, that's interesting because I thought his best performances for Scotland have been when he's been asked to play essentially just a straightforward man-marking goal, penalty box defender basically. And we're not going to come across too many games, certainly of the league games we've played so far, where he's going to need to do that. He's not going to be camped in his own penalty box. That's not what we're going to have most weeks. We might have it for a couple of the games coming up um, over the next month, but we're not going to get it most games. It just makes me wonder how far along that deal was before Stephen Glass got in the building, you know, whether that was Stephen Glass's 
purchase or whether that is something that the previous management team had initiated. But who knows on that front? I don't think anybody was disappointed, let's put it that way, when the deal was announced. I think a lot of people were very excited. I was, you know, I, I thought he would at least be a decent option, something with a lot of experience at this level. But he's been a real disappointment for me. I still see promise in Ross McCurry, but at the moment there was still one brain fart every game, it seems, where he's letting himself down. It's predominantly on his distribution, and you would have thought that his distribution would be a strong point, and it's it's not been. It, it has literally been, every single game, at least one glaring gift to possession to the opposition. Sometimes it's cost us, sometimes it hasn't. He's going to have to stick with a, with a back pairing, and he's just going to have to commit to that, I think. Three is definitely an option, but then, you know, I think we'd end up funneling even more down the wing back, down the full backs. I think we'd be relying even more on them from a creative uh, fashion. And, you know, I'm not sure on the left hand side that Jack McKenzie can be that creative player. And obviously, you're sacrificing one midfielder or attacking player, probably one of the one of the three attacking midfielders from there. So, Stephen Glass is pretty wedded to the system. This kind of essentially 4-2-3-1 system. We're not going to see drastic changes over the next couple of weeks. Again, we are early. We have to keep stressing that to seven league games into the season. David Bates has only played the two games. I think we're going to see essentially the back four that uh, that played on played on Sunday, bed in for a few games at least, and um, we'll just have to see how we, how we are when we come out of it. Into the midfield. We have a lot of midfielders, Martin. Uh, this might take a long time. The first one is the most high-profile one and the one who will no doubt be gaining all the column inches ahead of uh, the big reunion on Sunday. Scott Brown, how do you think his first couple of months have been? I thought the first couple of games, I mean, the, for the European games, um, I thought he did well, but he should be doing well because you know, the level of opposition was in, inferior. The teams that were played there, I think you would be expecting any you know, top division Scottish team probably to turn them over. Um, before being totally honest, um, as the games have gone on, I'd I'll be honest. I, I want a little bit more from him. You know, even when Ronnie Dyla, I think was was uh, was Celtic manager, I was saying you know, I thought that Brown was finished and he was washed up. And of course, he's he was all, you know he goes and he rocks up here five years later or whatever it was four years later. I just want I want more from him. I think you know his distribution. Um, he's he's been pretty. He's been slack in a few games. He's you know, he's Giving away the giving away the ball, a little bit too often, putting an already under pressure and struggling defence under more pressure. Yesterday, you know he scores. He's got a hand in. Well, you wouldn't you wouldn't call it an assist, but he has a sort of, you know, an intervention, shall we say, on um, Ramirez's goal as well. Um, so it looks like he's he's doing well here. But I like to see him influencing games more. We probably shouldn't do this because it, it, at the end. It, at the end of the day, nobody gives a nobody really gives a shit what the players earn. But Scott Brown's came in as a marquee player, a high profile player. He's on the coaching staff as well. He's going to be he's going to be the highest paid player at the club without question. He's going to be earning a lot of money, and so for that, we should be holding him to a higher standard. I think I know that you no know, football fans don't you no know, don't really give a shit what the put the players earn really, but this guy's came in as you no know, as the most decorated fo- footballer, um, in the history of Scottish domestic football, um. And for 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 my money, I don't think he's I don't think he's he's basically pulling his weight. You know, there maybe is you no know, maybe he is influencing 
you know other players and he's been able to talk through games. But I don't think that he's you no know, he's getting we're getting the best out of Lewis Ferguson, uh, playing alongside him. Um, it's it's arguably hampering um, the development of Dean Campbell because he's because Dean Campbell has slid way down the way down the pecking order to the point where he's basically the backup left back now. We've got someone like Dylan McGeeck who's never going to see any game time. He's probably he's probably finished. He seems to be you no. Know, I don't, I know he didn't start like the Livingston game, and he didn't start the the Wraith Rovers game. Now that you know we've we're kind of in a sticky patch, he seems to be undroppable and unsubable. Oh, well, he's the manager's representative on on the pitch, so you would expect that you know as long as he's available, and I don't think his standards have certainly been anything less than his midfield colleagues. Um, your point about expecting more, yeah, okay, that's probably fair based on his reputation, based on what he's done in the game up here. But I mean, no one's got any idea how much he's earning or how much he's earning relative to the other players. You know, if you take him at face value, it, it's it's about the challenge, about being able to coach, about having a bit of a clean break from Parkhead. I doubt we're breaking the back to get him in. To be honest, I think that's more likely to be up top with Ramirez, based on his previous salary because you know there was a situation where you know there was a guy who could just have sat and got his 10 grand a, a week or whatever it was that he was um on there there have been games where he's been head and shoulders above everyone else and he, he has i think just been dragged down by the by the pressure and the malaise and the performances over the past few games we are we're coming to at this point, too big a squad. I mean, we might look back at this in a couple months' time and, you know, after we've got seven or eight injuries at a time and say, oh, thank God we've got all these senior professionals. But the signing strategy has been has been curious, to say the least. I mean, the signing of uh, Longstaff from... We spoke about this uh, on the last pod that we put out, which was just before the end of the, the transfer window, and we said this only makes sense, basically, if Lewis Ferguson's going, if he's going before the end of a transfer window. Lewis Ferguson didn't go anywhere, and uh, consequently, Longstaff has been on the bench for the last two games. It's almost like a James Wilson situation done over again. You know, a guy comes on loan, big expectations because he's from a big Premier League club, isn't going to contribute anything nearly as much as uh, as you would expect him to. The pairings in midfield, again, we haven't been able to get that right combination together, and... I don't know what the answer is. I, I I don't know. You would have thought that Brown and Ferguson is a sort of double pivot in that uh, two of the four, two, three, one would make some sense. Ferguson, in some respects, it kind of feels like he's checked out. It really does feel like he's checked out. And I think you could also label that accusation against Ryan Hedges to a degree as well. Yeah, I think that would be fair. I mean, look, Hedges has only came back, just came back at the weekend. We expected Ferguson to go. I think everybody expected Ferguson to go. You don't put in a transfer request if you don't want out the door, particularly when you've got no real affiliation or affinity towards Aberdeen. You know, I mean, you could, if it was like a local guy who you know loved the club and grew up and all this kind of stuff, you know, you could expect he could maybe you know get him to stay because he wants to be here and he loves the club. Lewis Ferguson doesn't have that, um. So we all expected him to go, and then uh, the, the transfer window is ticking closed, and the bids aren't coming, or well, all that we know of. You know, there was obviously talk of early bids that were that were rejected. Um, and then these bids don't come. Um, and we find ourselves having brought in, like you say, having brought in uh, long staff. And Lewis Fer- Ferguson doesn't go. 
I do think he's a, he's a he's, he looks a bit on autopilot. I mean, yeah, he's you know, he's he's putting in the effort and he's trying there, but he just looks like a guy who really you know doesn't want to be there. You know, kind of body language. I, don't, I suppose you would say just feels like you know he's he's serving his time, waiting for January. Before he got injured, I think you no, know, we could probably we could have probably fairly leveled that at Hedges as well. I think had he had the injury not came, Hedges would have would have, arg would have arguably been away, arguably been away. So that that and that's a concern because you know Ryan Hedges is one of our best players. Lewis Ferguson is one of our best players. You know we are struggling big time at the moment. And if you've got out of that eleven players, if you've got two guys, who are looking at the looking at the door, who have checked out. Um, you know they don't want to get not want to get themselves injured or anything like that. You know, like playing but playing within themselves. I suppose you would say, that's not something we can we can afford to have at the moment because we need, the, we need the best players, really, you know, bringing their top bringing their A game, so we can try you know, get some points on the board. Especially this month we've got Jesus Christ. This month is just, this month could be, could be an absolute disaster. Both of them are obviously looking at the door. Um, I would expect Ferguson if offers come in. He'll he'll. I would expect him to probably go in January. You know his old man has been touting his name about about everywhere, um, and he'll probably he'll probably find himself something. You know, and ah, good luck to him. I suppose if if we can get good money for him, then he's welcome to go. But he could maybe just try and smile once or twice um, when he's on the pitch. Um, in the meantime, well, I don't give a fuck about whether he smiles or not. I don't recall Willie Miller ever being a bow or laughs, yeah, but. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you know, you know what I mean, though. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying they should be laughing and joking and should be Mister Potter like, um, like Shay Logan was or something. But I, I said, I said on previous episodes that in some of the European games, you know, people were criticizing him because he was pretty much he was off straight down the tunnel. Um, in those European games, he was, you know, he, he was, a, he was a victim of some pretty poor challenges, and he was probably pissed off because of that. Um, and I can understand that back then, and, but now, you're sort of like you're he, you're here. You might as well stick with it. We're not the kind of club that's going to just sit somebody in the stands and go, well, you know, we'll just run you down, run your contract down until we sell you. You know, he's going to be playing, so, um, you want to see like a bit of positivity and just make him, you know, you want him to show that he wants to be here, I suppose. Yeah, I, we we spoke about Scott Brown maybe not contributing as much as we want him to, but I, I don't think any of the the sort of senior pros, and it seems silly talking about Lewis Ferguson as a senior pro. Because he's still of a pretty young age, but obviously he's been here for a number of seasons. He's racked up a, a lot of games now, hundred and forty odd games, I think. I I don't think we're seeing quite enough from them. I th- I think the flashes that we have seen have come from Calvin Ramsey, or, or you know they've come from the fact that a number nine who who looks like he he does come alive in the box, which has been a while. I think what he does outside the box is still open to question. I I think we can talk about the muddled direction maybe from, from the manager, but I, I also don't think he's being helped greatly by, by the senior pros in, in the building right now for whatever reason. About the sort of attacking midfielders, about the kind of supporting players to our number nine, G. Emmanuel Thomas uh, came in and uh, people got very excited about him after the opening 90 minutes against Hecken. Um, somewhat less impressive since then. Uh, yeah, look, no, we've all had a laugh. Um, that's me included about his uh, his twenty goal a season prediction. Look, let's be honest here. This guy isn't good enough to play for Aberdeen. It's just as simple as that. There's some ability there, and he has some skill, but I mean, I don't think he was really even a standout in that Livingston team. Aberdeen is Aberdeen's a totally different prospect. Um, you're looking for him to be more mobile. 
Um, he's not very mobile. You're looking, you know, he, he's not, he doesn't he doesn't seem to be able to jump and win headers. Decent with with his back to goal, and you can take the ball and you can control it and you can get through through men. It's all very well having some decent close control and touches, but um, you need more than that. And it was it was a curious transfer at the start, and I think everybody said it, just saying, "What's this guy doing at Aberdeen?" We've lent into it. To be fair, we've kind of tried to you, know, you try to give him your backing, but at the moment, all he seems to be is he seems to have like sort of slotted into the. The, the Derek Young, Shea Logan type of, you know, good to have around the place role because this isn't a guy that this isn't a guy that's good enough to be starting for Aberdeen. No no chance. And yet, you know, even when he did tail off after the opening, came on at Tynecastle, played really well and what was almost like a, a sort of wide target man role by whether that was by accident or by by design. Just being able again to pick up the ball wide, being able to stretch the game being able to beat some men. That's probably what I kind of expected when we signed him. There would be moments. He'd be able to produce moments. I think that only really happens though in a team where everything, where lots of the other things are functioning as it should. Like for a Livingston team who are going to be full of hard workers and guys that are going to absolutely knock their pan in week in, week out. The ability to produce that kind of moment of quality, that this moment of brilliance, like he did at Wraith Rovers, for example. That was an incredible goal. Fantastic goal that he scored there. I, I think that can be that can be really useful to a team. But if a side's struggling, if a side's if all the side aren't pulling in the right direction, then he, he's gonna look like he currently looks, which is just somebody who's not really equipped for the challenge in front of him. Um, another of the strikers that's come in and, and got some game time recently is Austin Samuels. Bit early maybe to pass comment on this. It's um it's clear why he was brought in. He is quick. Do you think we we're utilizing him in the right way yet? Or? Yeah, I mean, like you say, it's probably a bit too too quick to kind of judge him. You no, know, he, he, I thought he he looked impressive, uh, for a spell in the St Johnston game. You no, know, he's clearly he can he's clearly quick. You know, you know the balls in the box could have been better, but you know you can you can pass that off as being it was his first in his first game. If he's going to be playing more, then you know we're going to need. Uh, more from him in terms of you know the the assist the balls in the box, uh, particularly in the St Johnston game. You no, know, he just he was sort of just leathering these balls across there. Like he needs to try be trying to pick a man out. But again, you know it, when it's his first couple of first first appearance or first couple of appearances, you want to tend to want to give him some slack. It's all very well saying whether he settles in, I suppose. But you no, know, as you say, as you even say with Emmanuel Thomas, he's the team the team are struggling so. You can't afford to have you no. Know, you can't afford to have a, a passenger or somebody try to find his way into the team. But the problem is we've got quite a big turnover of players. Um, new players come into the club, whether it's young lads getting their you know their pro- first proper run of the team or it's new arrivals. So everybody, you know, nearly everybody, sorry, is is kind of trying to find their feet at the moment. If he's going to be starting games and he's going to be a regular, then he's going to need to he's going to need to get going pretty quickly. Well, I think the thing people forget about Samuels is that there is an option to buy at the end of his uh, loan. I, I say buy, mm-hmm. I think he's out of contract at Wolves at the end of the year. So they've obviously decided to cut their ties and obviously there's some sort of deal with regards to his, compens- his training compensation has been agreed. So I think that's something that people forget is that there is the, the opportunity that if things do go at least relatively well and he shows some promise that he'll be here again next year and, and maybe beyond that... What about tactically? We, t- we spoke about possibly moving to, to three at the back to, to fix the issues, uh, some of the issues at centre-half. 
we've not seen a proper two up top very often under Stephen Glass. Ramirez is obviously going to be the guy. That's without question. So we're going to be looking at him. And you're looking at... That's, uh, this is the thing where it falls down, where I think is where, you know, as uh, I suggested, you know, about changing to three, but I don't think we will. I think you know, he likes Ramirez, and Ramirez is going to be going to be his starter, and he's going to want guys to work off of him, you know, whether that's whether that's Hedges or whether that's Samuels um, or any, you know, anyone in the Watkins, obviously, as well. So this is why I think we're, for the moment, we're sort of married to to the four two three one, which he's going to, he's going to stick with. There's mounting pressure. There's no question about that. But there's no possibility that he's that he's in any danger of the the Dave Cormack is in any danger that he is going to change course at this point in time. Is there? I mean, it's it's ridiculous. It's seven games into the league season. He gets this season, doesn't he? he almost kind of regardless how it goes. I, I I reserve the right to amend that if we are in fact bottom by Christmas. But he gets this season at least, doesn't he? You you kind of took the words right out of my mouth there, Richard. Um, you know the caveat of if you know we are, if we are three, four, five points adrift come Christmas, then yeah, things might change. But if if things can if things continue the way they are, and we're drifting around mid table. Even um, there's no way there's no way that he's changing it because he's going to give the give Stephen Glass time. You know, he's he's backed them. You know they've backed him with money. He's but you know, allowed him to bring in the players he's wanted. Um, you know he's brought in a lot of the co- new coaching staff as well. You can put you can put all the pressure on him you want after seven seven league games. There's absolutely no chance that they're they're making a change at this point. Things might get worse, but things things also might get better. I mean, we're waiting on them to click, and I suppose you no, know, being football fans, you have to have faith that that'll happen. I mean, I think we spoke about this on the few times that we spoke about whether whether or not it was time to get rid of the last manager. Not just us, though. This isn't like some sort of groundbreaking conversation. Every, you know, everybody said it of no. Well, if you get rid of the manager, you know, would you accept a, a season of rebuilding? And most people say yes, but it seems to be now, and this isn't me coming coming out all pro Stephen Glass and you know because this will be the new happy clapper thing that where they start th- we all start throwing at each other, but now that we're at the position where we are rebuilding. We did get rid of the last manager, which was, which was the right, which was the right thing to do. We're in this position where we're struggling and we're finding it tough. We're not. Are we? Are we just not going to give this new manager, the time, the time to try and continue the rebuild? Whether or not he was the right manager or not is obviously another thing. I mean, you, credit to you. I mean, you 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 downplay the the shout that it was, but you know you called it straight away that Stephen Glass would probably be the guy when. You know, I was throwing out you no know, idiotic suggestions like David Wagner. Whether or not he's, he's the he was you no know, he sh- he was the right guy in the terms of the fans' eyes, and you know, should have he got the job or should have we gone for somebody with more pedigree? Simple fact is he's here now. Certainly in the in the medium, the short to medium term, you just you back him, and you see what you see where he can take it because there's a group of players there that there there are still some there are still some really good players in that squad. Let's not get away from that. You know. Not just talking about like you know, the young guys who've broken through. There's some there, there's some good Scottish Premier League level footballers in there. So to suddenly be going through a sticky spell where we're trying to find is it an identity? Maybe he's trying to find. I don't know. To suddenly think right, we we want to change it. If he loses the four games in this um in October, which I you know that are the next four games, people are thinking, oh, does that mean that you no know, the pressure goes on him? Um, and obviously the pressure will be on him because. 
then we will start seeing, I joked about the start of, the start of this, then we will start seeing the crack crests, and then we will start seeing the Dons in Crisis stuff, because the previous manager's pals will be out, try to go to bat for him. Uh, but, like I say, in the short to medium term, we just you just have to you just have to back him because there's absolutely no way uh, that even, well let's say before definitely before Christmas before well when what's what weekend you'll probably have it to hand Richard what weekend's the first weekend of the Scottish Cup I have no idea but it's usually the end of January really? it is your January there is uh, well there there was absolutely no way he'll be gone before then the framing of this is, is some kind of idea that you know it should be versus the previous manager's record I I just find boring because i mean it came out yesterday and some of the replies yesterday as well were like mckinnis loyalists it's, it's nothing to do with that it's about wanting the best for our team and of course you ask people in a fantasy world would they give us a year to you know would they accept a year of rebuilding they're gonna say yes but when it comes down to it no of course they're gonna be pissed off of course you're gonna be pissed off if you have two very very meek and unacceptable cup exits in your tenure already in the first 20 games. Of course they're going to be pissed off if you lose 10 of those first 20 games. There's only been one Aberdeen manager in history and you can you can skew and stretch stats whichever way to sort to suit your argument and obviously I'm doing this to a degree here but there's only been one Aberdeen manager in history that's lost more of his first 20 games than Stephen Glass and that was Ebby Scovedale and um, admittedly Ebby Turned it round. Things got better year on year under Scovedale. Um, but um, it, you'd struggle to do worse than every Scovedale start, I guess, frankly. Um, and the other point about that, the two, the two of the guys with the best uh, record of winning the opening 20 games are generally guys who are seen as being poor Aberdeen managers, guys that ended up having to be sacked. Davy Shaw and Jimmy Bontone for the dull statistical record. No one's advocating a change of manager here, but I, but this is no lo- This should never be not now and not ever about versus the previous manager. This has got to be about versus where the budget suggests we should, versus where his history suggests we should be, versus where the quality of the players at his disposal suggested we should be, and um, it's not just league record. It is obviously cup as well. I, I think he gets a he gets a tick for the for the European performances. We got through what we should have got through. I, I think you were a little bit overly negative about Hecken. I, I I still maintain that was a really good result that first game to get through that tie as comfortably as we did. Even if parts of the second leg were a bit uh, bit shaky, was a good result. We got a bit of luck in the third qualifying round, and we still got the wins. League Cup, it's a big cross. It's a bit. It's a very bad result. No two ways about it. A very bad result, and here we are in a league. Some initial early hope, a little bit of over exuberance there at Livingston. I wonder how that's going to look when the season pans out, and then performances. Tynecastle, we were relatively satisfied coming out of Tynecastle. Ross County, you could console yourself with the fact that we created a lot of chances there. Just couldn't score them. We are losing our way progressively and it seems he's almost been overcome with choice now that he's got this big playing pool as well. There seems to be two or three changes every week without really settling or deciding what his best 11 are. I think on Sunday, 
particularly. No, obviously, and I know we we went down to ten men. That changes that changes everything, really. You know, the red card comes for Teddy Jenks, just about five minutes into the second half, I think it was, and he and he doesn't make any changes for another another twenty minutes. You know, this is a guy who, in previous games in the season, hasn't has been. No, not been afraid to make changes. No, make make changes and no, at ha- no, a couple of changes at half time, and this one where, and as you said, no, Samirin came out and were were getting right into the game, um, at the start of that second half, but even before the 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 second yellow for Jenks, and he doesn't and he doesn't react. The the tactical knowledge should be there. You can say what you like about Jim Goodwin. I'm sure you no, know, he's a he's a half decent manager, and and the worry is that these kind of. Do you say what do you call them? Do you call them seasoned? These kind of seasoned guys who've you know been through it in Scottish football and have seen it, are just able to cope with glass because, with all due respect, though, he was coaching at a level where it was about bringing on players and it wasn't really about winning. That is something that I do think is a, is a, it is at the moment is it's a small worry and um, but I, I I'm concerned that it goes on to be a big worry that you're getting outthought by the likes of Davy Martindale or. Or Jim Goodwin. I certainly naive is a word I've used more than once this season to describe how we've played, and it's a too much of an antivance to this mythical philosophy, rather than you know the pragmatism of winning games. Because ultimately, Derek McInnes didn't really get kicked out because the football was boring. Derek McInnes got booted out because we didn't score in eight games, and we went that many games without winning. And what should have been a third place finish with a with a pretty good points total turned into well, frankly, it looked like it was turning into a struggle to maintain uh, ahead of Livingston at the rate things were going. Ultimately, football fans will forgive an awful lot if your team is winning and shows some competence. The most glaring thing for me is that clean sheet thing. I can't think of any successful side in history that hasn't actually started off with a solid defence. It's it's just not going to happen. These guys are going to have to try and create a cohesive unit together, um, not just the not just the four of them as well, but you're looking obviously your two, your two sort of two central midfielders as well, conceding so many goals. Um, and I understand yeah, there's been obviously mistakes and we've we've given, we've given goals away really, but that's something that we're gonna have they're gonna have to work on. They're gonna have to do. No, it's easy just to say just have to do better. Of course they're gonna have to do better, Martin. Um, but <laughs> that that record, I mean. Wasn't until yesterday realized no realized how bad it is. I mean, oh, no, oh, no clean sheets in all those games is just, it's worrying. Even though we went one down yesterday, we got ourselves back into the game. We just we just surrender it. All the work of getting yourself back into the game is, we're giving away opportunities, we're giving away chances, we're giving away stupid goals, and we're having to find ourselves battling to get into games. And until we do have that, I think we're going to really really struggle. Because I don't, I don't see there being us being one of these teams that can go out and just outscore people. All right. Well, that's a quick tour of the team and where we're at. Yeah, it's not been great, has it? It's not been great. There's a there's there's a fragility about this team, and that might be being kind. We really haven't seen in Aberdeen teams, even under Craig Brown, they weren't really fragile. They just didn't do anything. Um, <laughs> The, the the rains of which it is currently resembling are are not ones that had good outcomes for Aberdeen. Let's put it that way. Um, but it is still very very early. But we've also said that the October fixture list looks um challenging because it was a quite a 
friendly opening to the league campaign. We haven't really played anybody. I mean, Hearts have, have amassed a lot of points, but they're fresh up from the championship. They lost to Brewer Rangers this calendar year. We haven't really played anybody yet domestically. And this should have been an opportunity to be, given the points that have um, been dropped by other teams elsewhere, this should have been an opportunity to actually be in a really strong and challenging position right now. And we have squandered that. Time will tell whether there's the fortitude um, and, quite frankly, the balls to uh, turn us around within Pataudry. And, um, yeah, I, I do wonder if just a couple of the, the players there have, um, for their own individual reasons, kind of aren't on the same wavelength and aren't really pulling in the same direction as some of the, some of the others. And I wonder about that direction. I wonder if it's, um, it's a bit too dogmatic, just a bit too tied to a philosophy and unable to really deal with the realities of life in a league such as the SPFL. But the thing about football is that um, nobody knows anything. We're all going to find out how it's going to play out over the next couple of weeks. When it does, we'll be here. Well, we might be here. We'll see. We might bugger off for another month. But we'll be here to talk about it. And we'll be back after that Celtic game on Sunday. Uh, My thanks to Martin tonight. Thanks, Martin. No problem, Richard. Thank you very much. And thanks to you all for listening. Until next time, come on you Reds.